Hey guys, and a huge happy Valentine's to you all who might be celebrating Valentine's today. I have invited the awesomeness that is my wife, Sarah. High five right there, baby. Don't leave me hanging now. To come and preach with me. Um, We enjoyed doing it before, uh, and we're going to do it again. And um, because it's Valentine's Day, it lends itself to relationships. And so we're going to do a couple of messages around relationships, particularly uh, marriage-based relationships and relationships working towards marriage. And hear me now, our heart is that you'd win. Our heart is that that hope would arise in you. Our heart is that you would flourish. Our heart is that through this, that it would spark conversations and thought processes that would be helpful to you. Our heart isn't to squash anyone. Our heart isn't to judge anyone. Our heart isn't to condemn anyone at all. We want you to win. But we do need some real talk. In church life, we need real talk more than ever. We need some real talk. And I appreciate not everyone's married. So please don't switch off if you think this isn't for me. And here's why. Because the vast majority of people either are married or want to be married. And even if you don't fit into either of those categories, could it be you that understands some concepts that could eventually speak into someone else's relationship and you could hold the key for them? So this could be an opportunity for you to be equipped to help someone else. So this is a message for everyone. The reality is it's no secret that many, many marriages are struggling and failing in today's society. And more importantly, the general attitude towards marriage has shifted dramatically. And it's our goal to point you back towards God. It's our goal to point you back to the creator of life and the one who instigated marriage in the first place. So we've called these sessions, and my wife awesomely came up with this. We've called these sessions, Me plus God plus you equals us. And it stems from this passage in the Bible. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verses 9 through 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And here's the key there. This threefold cord that can't be easily broken. You see, for us in a Christian marriage, our third cord is God himself. It's, it's Sarah and I, and we both have this common value of faith, and we invite Jesus into our relationship. And it is him being the third cord that gives us the strength so that we aren't easily separated. So I'm going to shift over to you, Sarah, to give us some goals, maybe. Yes, absolutely. So we were thinking... And talking about this whole idea of relationship goals. What sort of relationship is it that you want to be in? What sort of marriage is it that you're heading for or that you're reaching for? And I think it's so easy for you, for for any of us, to look at relationships or look at pictures on social media, watch films and think that. That is what I want. That is what I want. And we we know what we want. We know what we're heading for. But I think we need to consider what is the type of relationship that the world has to offer. And I think if we're really honest and we are looking at the relationships that the world has to offer, we see a lot of hurt. We see a lot of brokenness. We see a lot of mistrust. 
we see a lack of unity. We know, already know that the divorce rate is getting higher. And so I suppose our question this morning is if you are looking for a relationship that is different to what you see in the world, well, that's what we have. And we have this relationship because we have God in the middle. Um, and if you include God into the middle of your relationship, you can have an awesome, awesome marriage, an awesome relationship. So this whole idea of me plus God plus you equals us, this third chord, which binds our relationship together and which keeps us stronger, is the key. Um, we, I definitely didn't know that marriage could be this good. I definitely had um, not a great role model of marriage when I was growing up and, and, and probably didn't even know what I really wanted. I knew what I didn't want, but I had no idea that marriage could be this good. So we, we have an amazing marriage, don't we? I think so. We, uh, we just celebrated 20 years, Woo! actually. Um, so, and, you know, we really do have the most amazing marriage. Like, we actually get on quite well. <laughs> <laughs> We actually quite like each other's company, which is awesome. We have so much in common um, in terms of what we enjoy. Like, we're proper adrenaline junkies. In fact, I can remember one of our first wedding anniversaries where we actually went to a theme park yeah, yeah. to ride the latest roller coasters. So, yeah, we really, really enjoy spending time together. Like, Barry definitely makes me feel valued. Um, as my husband, he makes me feel secure. He makes me feel loved. He affirms me, he pushes me forward, he fights for me. Like, not being funny, I know you all know how passionate Barry can be. There's a very fine line between Barry's passion when it can almost come a little bit obsessive. <laughs> so don't, don't kind of, you know, cross over the line with me because Barry will fight my corner and I know that he's got my back and that he's there for me. Like, literally, we do have the most amazing marriage. And I know most of you know that because it's probably the one question we get asked the most is, how come you guys have got such a great relationship? And it's really easy to look at what we have and to say, I want that, I want that. But actually, the truth is, is that this has been 20 years of journeying together through a whole process of challenges, of struggles, and of trials to overcome. It, like, it really has, and I can be completely honest and say that, that although you can look and say, I want that, and you can see how great our marriage is, and it is true, the process of getting there has been real trials. Like, I know you're not going to believe it, but I am actually quite annoying. <laughs> I can confirm this. No, you never say that. <laughs> like uh, we did a leadership styles test once, and it was this kind of test of your the style of leader that you are. Like some people are really strong in admin, and other people are creative, and other people are real visionary leaders. So they can really see like that step ten before step one, and that definitely is me. Like I think I scored eleven out of ten. Like that is me, visionary leader. I always see step 10 before step one, and that is actually very annoying because I'm always putting things like in front of Barry's face, like, what about this? Like, we could do this and look at this new business and let's move to this million pound house. <laughs> so annoying. I know it's annoying, like right moves my best friend and your worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. But I, we, I am, you know, in, and the, the problem with that is, is that on the same test, Barry scored the same as me. So put both of us in the household together, there's like this kind of 
conflict of leadership and vision and then put our kids into that as wow. well. Wow. Yeah, yeah um, nightmare. But actually, you know, we don't tend to have fights no. so much. No. Like, actually, we don't tend to fight. We, we, we just have intense conversations. Intense conversations. Intense conversations. <laughs> and our intense conversations tend to evolve around small things like loading the dishwasher. It's and important, it's you know. Intense conversations around loading the dishwasher. Um, intense conversations around me and my phone. Just, Just let me step in. Men, you'll, you'll hear me now. You'll go to your wife's phone and you'll look at how many unread emails there are. Sarah scores over a thousand unread emails. It's a and and, and, and then you'll look at other apps, and then she says, oh, my battery's not working very well. And you suddenly find that she's got every single app on her phone open. All, and it's just like, take them down, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the next day, same thing. It's intense conversations we have to it, have. It is intense conversations. We have intense conversations about church, how to run church, what songs to sing, what style. To, we had an intense conversation about this preach. Who's going to say what? How it's going to come across? <laughs> So we don't fight, but we have intense conversations. And they're just like silly things to show you. But, you know, throughout the journey, there has been real processes to overcome that we have had to stick in together, that we have had to make choices together. Yeah, yeah. And that's because we have God in the middle. Mm -hmm. We have God in the middle of our relationship. We view marriage and relationship differently to what the world does. And we've made this decision that no matter what, we're sticking in it together. Haven't and we? I think, you know, we... we emphasize the intense conversations but it's counterbalanced by we laugh ever such a lot and and you know most people who come to our house you'll leave with a smile on your face because there's banter there's mickey taking we certainly don't take ourselves seriously and we know how to laugh the word the bible says laughter is good medicine and it really is and it works in our household and the reason we're passionate is because we want to make a difference we don't just want to plod, plod through life, get to the end of it, look back and go, oh, that was okay. We want to say, we did something. And that takes some passion. And we do it well together, don't we, baby? What I want to do now is I just want to um, suggest to you three different approaches to marriage that I see prevalent in today's society just to get you on a thought process that I hope will be helpful to you. And I want to underpin it in this verse here in Matthew, chapter 19 and verses 3 through 6. It says this, some Pharisees came to test him, speaking of Jesus. Some Pharisees came to test Jesus. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let no man separate. And here we see Jesus unpacking it. This is a biblical model of marriage. This is how God deemed it. You'll find it right there in Genesis, right at the beginning of the book. In the beginning, God made it this way. He made it male and female. They would leave their parents and come together and be united as one flesh. And when God is in the middle of that, let's never let it separate. What God has joined together, the idea the Pharisees are bringing here is, let's try and make up reasons to divorce. And Jesus is coming against it saying, no, no, let's make up reasons to stay together. And there's a different attitude right there. So I want to underpin it, uh, what I want to say based on that right there. We know, don't we, that... Um, divorce is prevalent today and we know divorced people and sometimes it's a very sad but it's the way it goes and there's no judgment here only love we want to support each other we want everyone to win but the goal 
is a life of love together, and we want to cheer each other on. Um, so the three approaches I want to bring all begin with a C. I'm going to talk about a casual approach, a contractual approach, and a covenant approach. And I just want to unpack those just for a few minutes. So let's look at this idea of a casual approach to marriage. It's, you'll have heard these things said, I'm sure, in your world. Things like, it's just a piece of paper anyway. It's just a bit marriage. You know why? But it's just a piece of paper. I might get married. I might not get married. It's not a major goal of mine. I'll see how it goes. And there's just this casual attitude around it. And the trouble with that is that if you're casual about it, that that casualness, if, it, if that's a word, that casualness leaks into every other area of the, of the relationship. So you start becoming casual in your approach to sex, for instance. There's this idea, well, as long as it's two consenting adults, you know, what harm can be done? It feels good, you know, so let's just do it. And it becomes this idea that marriage isn't a big deal and sex isn't a big deal. So it's all like, it doesn't really matter. It's just casual to everything. You know, we might live together and it seems a good idea to live together because we can share the bills it's cheaper we can see each other a bit more you know we can test it out to see if our relationship actually works and there's this casual approach we might as well just work live together because everything else is casual and that might just be best for us we can talk real here can't we here's the thing in this situation people do married things without the commitment to being married. So you, it's a cake and eat it situation. We want to act like we're married, but we don't want the commitment of being married. And here's the thing with that. You see, if it doesn't work out, if the point comes where this isn't any good, you just move out and you just move on. You carry on with your life and you get on with it. And eventually, quite probably, you'll meet someone else and you'll go around a similar cycle because let's try it out. I fancy you. Let's sleep together. All oh, this is going quite well. Let's move in together. No actual commitment on the table, but just doing life together. We know lots of people who live like that. I'm sure you do too. And again, no judgment here. Everyone's doing their best to live their life. But we're trying to unpack God's way. You see, here's the thing. Eventually, these people may well find someone that is really special, someone they click with, someone they can genuinely see a future with, someone where everyone around them says, you two are so good together. And then they come to that decision, we, we're going to get married. We're going to get married. And they do. They get married. And here's the thing with any marriage, ours and any other marriage you, you will know. When two people come together and commit to a life together, there are bumps in the road. There are times when you disagree. There's the way she handles her phone and does the dishwasher. There's the way I get argumentative and overly passionate. There are things in every relationship. They happen. But when you've been casual about relationships in the past, you form behaviours. And the trouble is you get married and you think by being married everything's going to change. But you've created behaviours. And so when you hit bumps in the road, you might overcome some, but eventually you come to the point of saying, this isn't working, let's break it off. And divorce becomes an easy option because it's what you've always practiced before. We've played at marriage, it wasn't a big deal, and we've moved on. And now we're actually married, it seems natural and easy to give up, because after all, it's only a piece of paper. Can you see how casual relationships can so easily end up in such sadness in divorce? The contract approach. 
Now, this is where we look at marriage. We're getting married. There's a piece of paper that you have to sign. It's a contract. The trouble is, if you look at it as a contract, it's really based on mutual distrust. Now I've got your name on a bit of paper. This is going to be okay. Rather than, I trusted you in the first place. And you kind of base it on distrust. The confidence becomes in the piece of paper rather in the friendship and the love, the mutual love you have between. We hang everything on a signature. And the trouble is with that, signatures and contracts work all the while both parties are doing their bit because that's what a contract is. But the moment there's a breakdown, the moment there's a change in behavior, and let me tell you this, the woman Sarah is today is not the same woman I married because over the years she changes, she matures, she grows, her thought processes change, what she wants to do and be changes. But the great thing is we evolve together. The trouble is if it's a contract at the start and you say you're going to behave like this and 20 years down the line she's not behaving like that, she's not behaving according to the contract. The contract's broken. And if a contract's broken and you're hanging the marriage on a contract, the marriage is broken. And that's then, where do you go with that? How do you come back from that? And here's the thought process behind it. You aren't doing what you agreed to do to make it work for me. You're not making it work for me now. That's the attitude behind the idea of it being a contract. But there's another approach. There's this covenant approach. And I believe this is a biblical approach. It's not casual or temporary. It's not based on distrust. It's based on a common commitment of love to the other person that we make us work. Together, we make us work. We wrestle through the difficulties together because we are committed to this going forward. And our marriage not lasting 20 years or 40 years or 60 years just until one of us passes. Because we're going to stick together because we, it's not Sarah's job or my job, it's our job together. It's a covenant relationship. The word covenant comes from the Hebrew word berith, berith, and it basically means cutting. It means a cutting. When Hebrews made a contract, and you'll find this in, in the Old Testament, when they made a contract, they agreed to do something, they would slaughter a bull, cut it in half, So there'd be lots of blood. They would then join hands and they would walk around the bull, I think seven times, and often walk between the bull. And it was this idea of of a process which outwardly demonstrated what the contract would look like. We have slaughtered something, we've drawn blood, we've walked around it and through it. And the idea is this, if I don't play my part to make this work, I deserve to end up like the bull. You see, they took covenant seriously. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't an easy get out. If I don't play my part in making this work, I deserve to be like them. That was the thought process behind it. So when you look at a Hebrew marriage ceremony, the bride and the husband would come together and the priest would put a cut in each of their palms and he would put their palms together. And this would be happening before God and before their friends and family, before man, before God, and before man. And he would put their hands together, and in that process, the blood of both of them would mingle. And he would say, and two become one. 
you will probably be familiar with something like that in a traditional marriage ceremony in our country where the, the, the priest or the minister or whoever's marrying them will hold their hands together and, and, and wrap a cord or a tie or a shawl around them and, and he would say, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder or separate. It's the same kind of idea. So what's happened is there's blood that's mingled in the Hebrew ceremony. What then happened is, in the Hebrew ceremony, is that the couple would go to a separate room and everyone knew what was happening. It was the honeymoon room. And, and if, if anyone knows biology, when you sleep together for the first time, there is bloodshed. And so here is God demonstrating in his creation, when a marriage covenant forms, there is bloodshed. The blood, your fluids mingle, two become one. He's even put it into our biology. And it's there. I hope we can talk real in church life. But the covenant is set. It's set before God and it's set before man. And when God is in the middle and there is a holiness and there is a mutual respect and the relationship is based on love and hope, the relationship is seeing the best in the other person that we might move forward, everyone wins. God honors it. You honor it. People honor it. There is longevity and success to be had. Here's the thing. You get to choose. Do you want to be casual? Do you want to be contract or do you want to be covenant? So good. We, um, we had a, a catch-up with the um, awesome couple in our church, Io and Becca, and uh, we recorded the, the conversation via Zoom, and they've got some great things to share with you. So have a look at this, our conversation with Io and Becca, and we're back in a moment. Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, you know that we're in this middle of this preach that we have called you plus God plus me equals us. And uh, thanks so much for being willing to come and share some of your story. Um, Sarah's just going to grill you a little bit, guys. So, over to you. <laughs> so I thought it'd be really cool if we started with um, how you guys met to start with. I know that we know, but it would be cool for you just to share um, how you guys met. Um, we met actually at church Christmas party. There's a lot of kind of confusion over how we actually met. So we'd like to clarify it. But we met at a church Christmas party and I'd just become the youth pastor for church. And then Becca came up to me and said, oh, you're the new youth pastor. That makes you very important. I'm also very important. So I suppose we should start talking. And yeah, that's about it, really. And then we kind of went talking from there and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. And um, how long was it, Bex, before you got engaged? Uh, about eight months. Nice, nice. No hanging around. Good work, good work. And how, how, did, how did he propose? Um, so we started when we were dating this thing called geocaching, which is a bit like treasure hunting online. Um, and it's all across the globe. Um, but there's loads in Colchester as well. And there was one near his home um, that we couldn't find. And it was really annoying. And when you do find it, you have to like log your name and date it. And like there's a little scroll inside so it can be really tiny or really big uh, but we just couldn't find the one near his house and I was in town one day and he messaged me saying I found it I found it come quick so I, was, so I rushed over there because I was very excited and um it was stuck on a fence and I was like I'm sure we would have noticed that before but okay so there's me I'm, I'm scrolling the piece of paper and instead of like logging our details to say we found this treasure it said will you marry me and then I looked up and he was on his knees. 
amazing that is the cutest story ever i love fantastic, it <laughs> fantastic so here you are in the throes of meeting in a church context the youth pastor the very important lady um, and and you're preparing to get married it's so so exciting but in the midst of all this happening there was some real sadness in your lives wasn't there and i would i know that and it's part of that journey with you that becca your brother josh actually passed of, of, of cancer, didn't he? Three months before your wedding day. My understanding is he was diagnosed when he was 18 and was just given a matter of months to live. Um, but he actually lived till 26. And I know that was part of his faith journey and his testimony. And he, and he influenced so many lives and inspired even me. You know, I loved it watching him just battle through. Um, he was such an inspirational guy. But literally three months before your wedding day, he passed. I'm going to have to assume then that left you in this position of, you know, how do you handle that? So maybe in the build up to the marriage and, and maybe in the early parts of your marriage, what emotions did you go through and, and how did you handle it? Uh, I don't think we handled it straight away. We were quite numb for yeah. six weeks. Um, and then we realized we were very close to wedding day. So we had to kind of scurry about and get everything organized, but um, we were numb for quite a while. Um, and everything kind of got put on hold for a good few weeks. And then um, eventually well, we got married and then our wedding day was incredible and we went on honeymoon and we kind of came back and then kind of had to wrestle with the reality of life. So we kind of like rode the high of the wedding and everything else and then came back and had to go back to what was normal life. And I know that um, even one of our first connect groups, Becca found quite hard yeah. as well. So, so uh, I, went well we both went to the connect group and someone who knew that Josh had passed approached me and kind of was all really happy and cheery um and meant well but asked me oh you you must be having the best time you must be enjoying life um it's it's so exciting you must be the happiest ever and I remember just feeling like I'd been gut punched and in my head I just thought are you serious I've just lost my brother like yes, I'm happy I've got married, um, but it, it's not the it's not the best point in my yeah. life by far. And mm -hmm. um, I carried quite a lot of shame that the first year was that difficult for us. Yeah. And, and I think there, for myself, was there, a, was there a turning point? Do you think, guys? I think for both of us, it was just receiving prayer. I know that. Um, that particularly worked for you as well. So, so um, I knew that, um, like I said, I'd, I had this shame that our marriage wasn't um, living on a high the first year. Um, and I felt that weighted on me. Um, and then I knew that I needed to seek prayer. And so I went to church and I got prayer over it. And I could feel um, that lift off me. Um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but... I think for me, it was just kind of knowing, trying to find out how much space to give Becca and kind of realising that she'd uh, made a breakthrough when someone came to me and to Becca saying, um, because they'd experienced loss in their life and, I said, and they had said to Becca, oh, I want to get to a place where Becca is because I know that Becca's had a similar loss. And I think for both of us, we kind of realised, oh, maybe we're actually further ahead than we realised. And I think when we'd realised how far we'd come, even though at the time it kind of felt that we were still in the midst of it, that allowed us to go, okay, we're not where we were. And as a result, we can keep moving forward. And I think as a result, it's been that way ever since. 
Wow. Wow. So good to hear your faith-based story that, you know, in seeking prayer and being around the church, that was what actually helped you take the big step forward. It's so amazing. Would you say it still affects you now? Um, I feel like it's a bit like phantom limb, whereas you always know it's not there. Mm. You always have that longing and missing yeah. them. Yeah. Um, mm. But the ache is gone because I've given it to Jesus and he can have my hurts and aches, but my longing and missing, um, that stays. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think for us, it's just more in like the special occasions like Christmas and birthdays. And even when our daughter was born, it was kind of that realisation that she'll never ne necessarily get to hear bad uncle jokes from Josh and things like that. Yeah. But so now it's about making sure that we create space um, to enjoy those memories and it's not covered in sadness, mm -hmm. but making sure that, you know, that we're able to let Naomi know about the testimony of Josh's life up until his passing. Yeah, I can imagine. So like for most people, the first year of marriage is like honeymoon period. Everyone's on, you know, you're on a high, you're getting to know each other. It's all exciting. And actually for you guys, it was probably the toughest year you've ever had. Would you say that, that in terms of your seven years of marriage, it was the toughest time? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I think just in terms of Rebecca experience, experiencing grief, me as a husband trying to make sure that she had enough room to grieve, but also not letting her dwell in that. And then even for me, people kind of forgetting that Josh was a friend and I counted Josh as a brother as well. Mm -hmm. And so often would come through me rather than going to speak to the girls. And so not trying to find time to process my own grief whilst also getting to know what it means to live with Becca and, and do life with Becca. And so we had to wrestle through quite a lot in that first year. Yeah, definitely. So just coming to an end, when we could talk about this, you know, for ages, you guys have done amazingly, you know, to keep going and um, to get through. You guys are an amazing couple, beautiful family. What would you give advice to if anyone else was going through something similar, whether it be grief, whether it just be like a real trial that's kind of coming at them in particularly like the early stages of marriage? You know, what was the key for you guys? How did you get through it? Uh, what piece of advice would you give people? I think even when we weren't feeling uh, really close to God, just to keep looking to him. Um, I think that's for me what helped um, even when I felt like I was managing it all on my own, um, I knew that there was a good God who was fighting for me, fighting the enemy, trying to pull me down and keep me in the dark place. I knew that there was light at the end of it. Um, that, that's for me, yeah. I think. I think uh, for me, it's two things. It's just, first of all, not carrying shame over how long um, it might take you because everyone has their own journey with it as long as you're continually looking to God and secondly just as a husband just remembering that um, it was my role to be the representative of God within the household and through everything through every storm God is a constant that provides calm and so I think at times I tried to I was worried that I wasn't doing enough or I, I felt like I needed to do more when a lot of the time for us in the midst of the storm Jesus is just our constant that is able to provide calm because of his presence. Mm -hmm. And so all I needed to do was just be the best version of myself as a husband. And that was going to be enough for Becca. I didn't necessarily have to know, you know, do backflips to make her smile, things like that. Not I could do a backflip, but <laughs> just, I didn't have to be anything extra. I just had to be the best version of me for her. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. That's an amazing story. Thank you so, so much for sharing that with us. And we totally um, are believing and praying that anything you felt like you lost on that first year yeah, will be restored on. to you a hundredfold. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Yeah. Love you too. I just say also that it's such a good thing that you're able to share that because I think so many people look at couples and think, oh, it's easy for you and, and yet don't know the story. Um, but here you are. with You're making the point we want to make. You plus God plus me. When you get God in the middle of it, something shifts. Thanks so much for sharing yeah. your story, guys. We love yeah. you so much. God bless. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Amazing. What an incredible story from Io and Becca. Um, and just shows that you can have a fantastic relationship, a brilliant marriage for a good amount of time, a number of years, but the only time that it will come under the amount of pressure that Becky and I were just sharing, or there's times when there comes a bump in the road, and that is when you need God. Yeah. That's a yeah. time. It, that's when, when pressure comes, when hardship comes. Without God in the middle, it will easily fail. Yeah. It will easily fall apart. And so for those of you that are thinking, oh, we've got a great relationship, a great marriage. Why do we need God in the middle? Well, because if, if ever you came across such a hard time, a hardship, you know, like what Becky and I were sharing. I mean, those guys, to get through something like that in year one is yeah. incredible. Yeah. And the Amazing. only reason, yeah. the only reason was because they had that third chord in the middle. And, you know, it really, um, this whole idea of having God right in the middle, right in the center of your relationship is about a God centered marriage yeah. and you know every single one of us whether we think when we think about it our lives are our, our relationships and our lives are centered around something yeah. they are centered around something it might be yourself you might be in a relationship but actually selflessly selflessly you're thinking about yourself my wants my needs my desires i'm upset my my ideas and actually your relationship is centered around you yeah. it it might be centered around your kids I know people whose marriage is centered around their kids. You know, what they want, what, or we'll get you anything you want, or we'll take you anywhere you need, or whatever you want, whatever you want. And the problem with that is, is that when they get old enough and leave, and you are left with your other half, and you kind of look over and wow. think, wow. Um, you know, if you center it around your kids, and actually you'd never have any time to invest in your own marriage because you're so focused on what the children want and the children yeah. need. It could be centered around success or career or material things. It's definitely centered around something. Yeah. It definitely is centered around something. And there's this great verse um, in Matthew 22, verse 37. And it says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. You know, if you make that decision as an individual and as a couple to put God right in the center, so forget everything else, but love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with everything that you are. If you put God first and put him completely in the middle yeah. of your relationship, it affects everything. So think about God in the center that then affects your values and your beliefs. So good. That then affects your actions. So the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you are a wife in a marriage is all centered around God in the middle where you have a value and a belief system 
that helps you make great decisions and helps you to be the best partner you can be. Like the way that you deal with conflict, um, you know, the way that you have arguments or discussions, you know, if you center your life around God and around Jesus and become more like him, that's the goal. Like every husband is going to want a more gracious wife. You know, a, Amen. <laughs> a, more, a more loving wife, somebody who's filled with humility, somebody who knows what it looks like to have a servant heart. That is what it's like to have God in the middle of your relationship. Um, and we definitely have chosen to put God first yeah. in everything that we do. And is, is definitely, I'm going to just say all the glory yeah. goes to God yeah. because of our excellent yeah. marriage. Yeah. And we've chosen, haven't we, to put, um, can I use the word, disciplines in place. For instance, for us, prayer is central to our home. Yeah. You know, it, it, every single day as a family we pray, around the dinner table we pray every single day. It's normal to our children, it's normal to us, God is central. If there's been an incident or someone's been upset or one of the children's had something go on or Sarah or I, First thing we do is we pray. Why? Because God's our third chord. He's in the middle of it. Prayers aren't just nice, hopeful words. Prayers are calling heaven to earth. Prayers are, prayers are changing the dynamics. Prayers are shifting some stuff. And, and so therefore, prayer is a go-to for us. And, and obviously, now we are church leaders, and I appreciate that. But we haven't always been church leaders. When we were married right at the beginning, going to church was important. We wanted to put ourselves as a couple in a place where we were going to continually encounter Jesus, continually be, get prompted by the Holy Spirit, keeping learning, keeping focusing. So church has always been a non-negotiable for us because it helps us be better people. It helps me to be a better husband, Sarah to be a better wife, and keeps Jesus central to it all. Yeah, wouldn't you say? Um, one of the other things that we've always chosen to do in our marriage is to give. Wow. So yeah. generosity yeah. and tithing giving um, has always been something that we've chosen to do. You know, the hilarious thing is that from our incredibly beautiful home that we now live in, we can see our first ever house. Yeah. This two-bedroom, masonette, purple carpeted. The purple carpet was special. Wasn't that was special. <laughs> so special. <laughs> our first ever home. And I remember at 18, um, moving into our first rented property, um, and it really wasn't anything special, but we had to really watch the pennies. So we, you know, I really didn't have a great income. Um, I remember going shopping to Tesco's with my calculator because I had to add up every item as I put it into the trolley to make sure that I didn't go over the budget. So, you know, there were times where we really didn't have a lot. But I can tell you, honestly, hand on heart, that at our first year of marriage, we still gave, we still tithed. Generosity has always been something that's been the centre of our marriage. And now, when I stand in our home in a position we never thought we would ever be in, so blessed by God, and I look at that house and just think, God is so amazing. But, you know, no matter what income we had, whatever hardship we came across in terms of finances, tithing and giving for us was always, always the first thing that we did. Yeah. And I guess in all of our talkings and conversations today and pointing you to Jesus, the key is it's me plus God 
plus you equals us. The key is when you put God in the middle of it, everything changes. But you need to make time to discuss. You need to make time to plan. You need to take time to consider. You need to take time to be honest with each other. Because you can be honest when God's in the middle of it. Because even your criticism can be, can be tinged with love and grace. And then they can be received, oh, he loves me or she loves me. And I, yeah, I can handle that. And maybe I do need to look at myself. And God brings you together. And so out of all of this, if you're married today, would you take a moment? Get together. Pour a glass of wine. Put a candle on. Just say, we listen to that preach. What do you think? How are we doing? It's just a great thing to give yourselves an MOT. If you're someone who's hoping to be married one day, listen to the things we've said. Make a decision. What kind of approach do you want to have? And would you put God in the middle of it? Because I can promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make. Would you let me pray for you? Father, just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, can I start by saying thank you for my marriage. Thank you for Sarah. Thank you for bringing her to me. Thank you for bringing us together. And all that you've given us, I give you all the glory. But Lord, I pray that some of the things we've shared today would inspire some people. That health and wholeness and healing would come to marriages. Lord, even marriages that might be struggling, Lord God, that they would suddenly turn a corner and realize we can do this. Come on, let's press. Help people to remember their first love, that when they saw each other and those first few years of honeymoon period, Lord God, that there was something special there. Reignite it all, I pray, Jesus. Lord, for people who are looking to be married one day, I pray, Lord God, that they would listen. They would take it into their hearts and they would prepare themselves to have a God-centered relationship and a God-centered marriage, I pray. Pour out your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, every week I want to give opportunity for anyone who may be watching just to invite Jesus into their heart. You know, you, I hope you've enjoyed our service, our conversations, the prayer, the worship. Something is shifted when you invite Jesus into your heart. You know, he loves you. His plans for you are good. He can, you'd have the fullest life. He came to reconnect you to the Father. He came to demonstrate what heaven looks like and bring healing. And all it takes from you is a yes and an open heart to say you are welcome here. So let me lead you in a prayer just in case today is the day you want to say yes to Jesus. Father God, thank you for loving me. Today, I say yes to Jesus. Today, I open my heart and say, you are welcome here. Come and live in me. Come and lead me forward. Come and help me to be the best version of myself that you created me to be. Put a hope in my heart. Begin to take me on a healing journey and reconnect me with the Father. Thank you that my future is good. And I give myself to you today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I think we deserve a high five right there, baby. That was awesome. We love preaching together. I hope you got something out of that and it blessed you. I'm going to hand back over to our awesome worship team. Love you all. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.